0: Welcome to the Deep Dive Spirituality Conversations podcast. I'm your host, Brian Russell, and today's episode is going to be a solo cast. I'm gonna talk about how to thrive and flourish after you've gone through a deeply painful experience. Uh, This episode will draw on some of the lessons that I've learned over the last 12 years of my life as I've launched a massive rebound, and also from what I've learned from coaching dozens of other persons who've gone through difficult experiences and some of the lessons that I've learned through the hundreds of books that I've read over the last 12 years. So I hope this serves you really powerfully. If I can be of assistance to you, I invite you to check out my website, brianrussellphd.com. You can see some of the resources that I provide, or you can just email me directly at DeepDiveSpirituality@gmail.com. at gmail.com. I'm grateful to have you as a listener, and I'd also ask if you find what I shared today helpful, would you share it with friends or maybe a person who might need to hear this? Let's jump right into the heart of the episode. When I think about painful experiences. I've been through multiple difficult seasons. You might call them a storm. You might call them seasons of hell. You might call them seasons of winter. But we've all been there. Obviously, my most painful experience that I went through was an incredibly difficult uh, divorce that really rocked my world, challenged my faith, Uh, caused me to, in some ways, grow up into the person that I've become today with with God's help. But I remember in the season, immediately following that, what it felt like. And in other episodes, I'll be doing other solo episodes around some of this, I'm going to talk about how your faith is affected by painful experiences. I'm not going to go down that road today, but I'm going to do a full multiple episodes on what feels like deconstruction or at least or at least disorientation in your faith. But today I really want to talk about how to begin to live again, how to grow new roots, how to thrive and flourish after you've been through something difficult. And that can be a a painful relationship break down, the loss of a loved one, recovering from an Illness or an injury or an accident that set you back in difficult ways, going, uh, bounding, bouncing back from a profound disappointment. Maybe you thought your life was going to go one way and all the doors shut. Also, to my pastor friends, I know many pastors who've been through incredibly difficult experiences leading local congregations and some of the relational fallout that comes from those things. And also, there's many people in our world who've just experienced what we can only say pure evil and have come out of that with PTSD and trauma. Now, just to be clear, I'm not a therapist, I'm sharing out of my own coaching practice and my own personal experience as both a pastor, as a mentor, but also my own personal experience making my own rebound. So, so everything I say can needs to be supplemented if needed, depending on the severity of where you might be in your life with actually, I would say, professional counselors. And in fact, part of my own healing journey is I have made use of multiple counselors and personal coaches to help me as i begin to grow into a 2.0 or even 3.0 of of myself again with god's help so how do you thrive and flourish after a painful experience now the first thing that actually has to happen is you have to go through the experience and usually there's an initially a period of profound shock and the body does that i think it's god's gift to us we're almost immune you almost just completely go numb for a season and i've also noticed that it's in the early stages of the post painful experience that you'll have the most support from family and and friends and again this is no uh, shot at our loved ones because people do the best that they can, but eventually you find yourself more or less on your own. I know for myself, uh, I had lots of, of help, lots of encouragement, and, and that included, and Kate went all the way through my whole rebound, but I had the most help early on. But at a certain point, you wake up after a tragedy, and you know I love movies, and one of my favorite movies is is The Lord of the Rings, and I love that scene where Gandalf promises uh, Aragorn and uh, the King of Rohan that you know look to the east at the dawn. I think it's the dawn of the third day. It's clearly a biblical reference. And if you know the movie, they're about to get wiped out and overwhelmed. But then at the last second, the dawn comes up and there's Gandalf with thousands of troops to rush down the hill and save the citadel and the garrison at Helm's Deep. Well, I hate to be a downer on this, but life typically doesn't go like that. And when you've been through a really difficult time, there's going to be a time when you just wish That somebody would ride over the hill and save you and you find out that nobody's coming and i don't say that to be sad because this episode is for you or anybody that you know who's been through the ringer because when you realize that after a season that you're kind of in this thing more or less On your own. Again, there's still always going to be your good friends and stuff, but you get the most help early on. So, what do you do? What do you do when you wake up and realize, wow, this isn't going to get better for a long time and there's no quick fix? Well, the first stage you enter in, again, this is after the numbness. This is after when you begin to make your comeback, is I would call this the triage stage. stage. And, And for me, As I look back, and now I'm looking all the way back into late spring, summer of 2011 for myself, uh, there was a day that um, I couldn't get out of bed. I was like, I can't do this anymore. I'm so tired. And I remember I saw light coming cracking through the blinds on my window of my bedroom and there's just a ray of light coming in and I thought okay wow look at that the sun and I'm like I'm so grateful I see that ray right now the sun gets up every single day And if the sun can get up on a good day or a bad day, I can get up one more day. And if you listen to my language right there, that was the day that I really discovered the power of gratitude. At my darkest moment, I was able to be grateful just for a ray of sunshine breaking into the darkness of my bedroom to remind me to get up. And so when we enter that triage phase, the most important. Probably one of the most powerful things that you can begin to practice if you want to make a comeback and begin to thrive and flourish is learn to be grateful for even the littlest things that you can find in your life. Even in the midst of a storm, even in the aftermath of a tragedy, you can always find something to be grateful, even if it's the fact that you're still breathing when you wake up. So practice gratitude. That's one of the most powerful triage practices. And and when you practice gratitude, the very things that you appreciate begin to appreciate. And you get this cumulative effect. and, And gratitude literally opens us up to the possibilities of what God might be up to even today when it feels like it's full of darkness. And so what I began doing during that season of life is I would practice gratitude in the morning. And in the evening before I went to sleep, I would try to think about two, three, four things that I could be grateful for, things that went really well during the day. And that cumulative experience was transformational. The second thing that I think is critical, and I kinda hinted at this when I talked about you wake up one day and realize that help isn't necessarily on the way quickly. If you practice gratitude, while simultaneously accepting the brutal reality of wherever you are and i know that's a hard word um, but you know for me it's like i i realized okay i was going to be alone for a while i had to take care of my kids i was going i was facing really finan- real financial hardship at that time and so that was going to be super hard and it was going to be a long road back but I accepted that. I'm like, okay, okay, that's what it is. That's the worst case scenario. So accept the brutal reality of whatever your situation is. But here's the key thing. Remain hopeful that you're going to get to the other side. And for me, the metaphor there, and I'm, I live in Orlando, Florida, so this is was sort of easy for me, and I'm looking out the window right now, and I can see it. You know, There's a couple clouds in the sky, but on the other side of every cloud, there's sunshine. And so I knew deep in, despite the fact that I was in a really difficult time in my life, I didn't lose the hope that I was gonna see the blue sky again on the other side and it was gonna be a new day and I was gonna be a new man and that God wasn't finished with me yet. So gratitude, accept a brutal reality, and then decide. Uh, this, This is super important decide early on that regardless of what's happened to you or what is happening that you're going with god's help to grow into a better person a more loving person and not simply a bitter person you know for me i always said i wanted to be better post-divorce not bitter I wanted to let my heart expand and not just contract and, and block itself off from other people. So you decide. Decide the kind of person you want to be. What's What kind of man, what kind of woman do you want to be one year, three years, five years, 10 years on the other side of whatever that painful experience is? So I think that's super important up front. So those are just those are a couple of things that I would call triage. And then immediately what you have to take action on is this. And this is the things that I found really helpful. One of the most powerful practices, and everyone who's listens to this podcast know that I'm a massive advocate of centering prayer. And that in some ways, and you know, my own book, Centering Prayer, Sitting Quietly in God's Presence Can Change Your Life is the story of how centering prayer impacted my journey back to uh more wholeness than I had previously, deeper levels of love, more experiences of God's grace. But friends, before I learned about centering prayer, I discovered the power of just breath. I didn't know anything about meditation. I, you know, I didn't even know it was Christian at the time. I, I always thought that was some kind of new age practice or whatever. But what I learned early on was when I got super stressed out, just to breathe and take really deep breaths. And so if you're, having, if you're in the middle of a tragedy right now and you just feel overwhelmed, and I know I'm the kind of person that's super anxious. I mean, my heart rate must was just cranked, like in fat burn, if not cardio, for days and weeks on end at times. But now what, what I learned, and I began to practice that, was I could just take really deep breaths and calm myself down. So when you find yourself super stressed and you're beginning and you want to start making a comeback, just learn to breathe. If, you know, you, you know, I would say learn how to do centering prayer, and that's a lesson for another day, and you can check out other episodes when I talk about that, but learn the power of breath. There's a nerve in the back of our, of our throat, I think it's called the vagus nerve, and if you learn to breathe really deeply through your nose... You know, that breath and you want to breathe in your nose, breathe back out through your nose, that actually activates a nerve that helps you to calm down. That's a powerful tool that you can use anytime, but especially after a tragedy. So learn learn to breathe really deeply. The other thing I found was really helpful during the triage is what food did I put in my body? This is where it's a killer. One of the temptations whenever you're in a tragedy is under stress is we have a temptation to buffer. And what, what I mean by buffering, it's those escape habits that you can embrace that give the illusion of making you feel better. Like, you know, if you really feel terrible... A lot of times people turn to food like comfort food. But if you're going through a really difficult time and you load up on comfort food, you're just going to create additional health problems for yourself. Same way with alcohol, let alone drugs or other substances or habits that you can, things you can practice that actually, again, again give the illusion of making you feel better in the, in the moment, but long term are actually doing damage to the person that God desires for us to be does damage to our body temple that God's given us. So, watch your diet. Learn to eat healthy food. I know in the midst of my... uh, painful experience. One of the things that I did is I, you know, I was so stressed. I didn't eat a lot. I dropped all kinds of weight. I got back to my college weight. It's the weight I am still even to this day. And so what I did is I completely switched my diet and I began to eat a super healthy diet. And in fact, learning to cook in new ways, new recipes that gave me something positive to focus on to get my mind off my actual challenge itself. So practice eating really healthy food. Again, I'm not a nutrition expert. I know what's worked for me. I've during that season I went 100% plant-based because it was radically different. I did that for a season. I since then I've done low carb, full-blown keto, but I've always just tried to eat as much healthy fruits and vegetables and the best cuts of meat when I decide when I did eat meat that I could. So definitely Focus on a healthy diet. It's a game changer. That's part of the triage phase. If you want to make a comeback, you got to take care of the body temple. And along with that, exercise. I started exercising essentially vigorously when I was 41. That's how old I was when, when I went through my really dark season. And I've been exercising ever since. And I'm literally in better shape now at age 53 than I was at 41, and I do push-ups, I do sit-ups, I do pull-ups, I've run, I've done aerobics, Zumba, yoga, find something that works for you and begin to exercise, depending on your health, of course, but find some way to move, stretch, Uh, stimulate that body temple to grow muscles, to get flexible, and if anything else, just to burn off the stress. You're going to be glad you did. So diet, exercise, never overrated. And then probably the hardest thing to hack early on in the triage is make sure you... Or get as much sleep as you can now i know that's not easy i literally went through about eight weeks of insomnia and i was even going to the doctor and had some prescription sleeping pills and i was so anxious that they didn't even work for me so i know what it's like when you can't sleep but i still made myself lay down and as much as i could i tried to still get seven eight hours in bed to try to get as much rest as I possibly could. Those things are not overrated at all. So that's what I would call the triage phase. Again, it's gratitude. It's um, learning how to breathe. It's fa- it's facing our brute reality. It's deciding who we wanna become. And the, one of the things you can sum that up with, and I learned this from Jack Canfield. Uh, he's the author of uh, Chicken Soup from the Soul and uh, he's a coach and one of the things that i heard from him early on it was just a fluke that i ran into some uh, one of his uh, podcasts was he talked about the, ne- the necessity of taking 100 percent responsibility for your life so i did you know like you've, if you've ever heard me talk on other podcasts even about um my own experience of divorce you know i took this mindset i'm going to own that it's hundred percent my fault Again, that, can, that may sound kind of brutal, and obviously that's not true because there's always multiple people involved in my situation. And, you know, regardless of fault, and I'm not admitting to anything in particular when I say that, but this here's the key thing. When you say, when you take responsibility 100% for your side, whatever your side is, whatever the role you played in your tragedy, and again, you could be driving, if you're in a car accident, that probably wasn't your fault other than you got in the car, but I mean, that's there's no judgment on that. But what that does, it gives you agency. You know, and, and again, it's with God's help. So don't hear me saying I didn't. It's because it's who knows? God has a huge rod. Hopefully, God brings another 100%, if not a 1,000%. But that mindset is I'm going to take responsibility for every part of my life that I have any ability to control, and I'm going to open that up to a tremendous change. So the triage just gets us in a position so that we can sustain ourselves, get back up on our feet. The wound is still there, right? The hurt is still there. The anxiety may still be there. But what that triage phase does, if you listen carefully, is what we're doing is we're beginning to try on a new set of habits and practices that can help you eventually move into a position where you can thrive and flourish. Now, you could call this a rule of life, and you may have noticed that I didn't mention any um, resources of the Christian faith when I was talking about the triage phase. In some ways, I kind of assumed that, because like for me, I didn't stop reading the Bible. I didn't stop going to worship. I didn't stop praying. I didn't stop doing the other things that you do as a Christian. So those were still there, but the reality was this. They didn't seem to work. I didn't feel anything, so I added these new other habits on as part of my rule of life. And what I've discovered on the other side, looking back, is I've actually embraced a whole person spirituality now. A lot of my faith was just lived up in my head but when we start talking about diet, exercise, practicing gratitude, those are all embodied heart-level practices that can then connect with our mind and then hopefully live out with our hands and our feet in ways that can serve other people really powerfully, right? And so this whole triage phase is rebooting that rule of life. You know, if you if you aren't a person of faith and you're listening to this, I would also encourage you to embrace the resources that are available through your community of faith. And uh, so that's that's triage. Now, what's it take then to move into thriving and flourishing and growing new roots? Again, this is this this takes time. Again, I'm recording this literally almost 12 years after I descended into hell for a season. And it's taking me this long to kind of process and look back. You know, Kierkegaard has a a quote that I've always found really powerful. It it says, you can only live your life going forward, but you can only understand it looking backwards. I think one of the things that we do improperly sometimes as persons of faith is we look at a verse like, all things work together for the good, and we look for the good too quick. You know, sometimes post-tragedy, you're not going to see the good for a long time. And I could say I'm a I'm a testimony to that. It took years for me to feel like I was fully back on track with my faith, even though I continued in my work as a pastor, as a professor, you know, and uh, as um, as a father, and ultimately remarried and remarried and as a as an even better husband now. But it took it it took seasons, right? And so you don't want to rush and think you have everything figured out because there's always challenges. But as I began to grow new roots these are some of the lessons that I learned. You know, First, now in retrospect, I call this our huge opponent on the other side as you try to make a comeback, is what I've come to know as the unholy trinity. And I'm probably going to record an entire episode on how to deal with the unholy trinity. But the unholy trinity is fear, guilt, and shame. And anybody that's been through a really difficult time, and in fact, everybody gets affected by the unholy trinity but if you've been through a tragedy and you felt like you've literally been cut down like a chopped down tree or a tree that got blew over in a storm you're going to feel overwhelming fear just fear that there's not enough you're oftentimes going to feel guilt and sometimes it's not even guilt for what you did because god forgive can forgive you for what you did but you just have this lingering guilt that's really um false guilt that can afflict you and continue to pull you back down when you try to emerge post-tragedy. And you can feel shame. I know for me, I was like, man, I'm ashamed. I mean, I'm not, I'm not supposed to be divorced. That's not in the cards when you're a pastor, a spiritual leader. That's not what I signed up for. So I had a deep sense of shame for a season. And so those things, fear, guilt, and shame, I don't have enough, I don't do enough, and I'm not good enough, will be your opponent's as you're making your comeback. Again, I'm going to record a whole nother episode on the unholy trinity. But how do you push back against those things? Well, the the first thing that I found to be really helpful is I found people and mentors that I could deeply respect that had been through the ringer themselves and have come out on the other side. So I availed myself of all kinds of books, podcasts, I took classes, I worked with therapists, I hired coaches for myself to help build me back up and I also surrounded myself in small group relationships with what I would call hitters, right? I mean, I'm talking about people that are willing when the game is on the line to step up to the plate courageously and swing. This is a baseball metaphor, of course. Swing even if they might strike out. So when you're on your way to build a comeback, you find the strongest people that you can to, to be in deep relationship with. And the biggest danger, and this is a huge danger when you want to thrive and flourish, is you end up surrounding yourself with people that are simply in exactly the same place that you are. Now, there's something about that But make sure you also have aspirational relationships where you can be around with people Not that we're going to show you not what it's like now, but where you can end up being two years, three years, five years, ten years down the road. Find hitters in your life that you can model them. And then guess what's going to happen? Just like with Lazarus, right? When Lazarus came out, Jesus said, take his bandages off. You want to grow into the kind of person that can be a hitter for someone else who can take their bandages off and show them how to live again when they 've come out of their tragedy so find hitters that's one of the key things one of the uh, when you begin to thrive and flourish you're going to surround yourself with new friends new persons and again some of these could be your old friends, but find people that are down ahead of you in the game so that you can model yourself after them. I also found the power of affirmations. You know, there's that old saying, fake it till you make it. When you're down and you decide who you want to be, you know, decide, commit, commit to that. Like I said for myself, I want to be better, not bitter. I want to be more loving. I don't want to be hard-hearted. I want to pay all my bills. I want to grow into the kind of person that uh, can be a great father. I wanted to grow into a person who if the possibility availed itself that I could be remarried and be a a really outstanding husband. And I wanted to attract a spouse that was going to be super healthy and be able to walk with me and challenge me and be my spiritual partner. And so what I did is... I set goals around those areas. I really dreamed about who do I want to be down the road on the other side of this? What's it going to look like when Brian walks back into the sunlight? What does it look like to grow in love for God and neighbor and even myself? And once I did that, I began to write out affirmations, little statements that I can say over and over to remind myself of the person that i I believed God was calling me to become, even in spite of this painful experience I was. So when you write an affirmation, and again, you can use scripture if you want to. I like to write my own affirmations. Like I did things like this, and I always start them with gratitude. I'm so happy and grateful now. So when you write an affirmation... You won't want to make it like some future thing, like someday I will be. You want to say, I'm so happy and grateful now, and you want to feel it in your heart. So I would say things like this. I'm so happy and grateful now that my past is forgiven in Christ. My future is secure in Christ so that I can walk and live and breathe in this moment in light of God's abundant love for me. And I would say that over and over again. I use the Jesus prayer as an affirmation. Lord Jesus, I'm so happy and grateful now that Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I also prayed this prayer. Lord, help me believe the truth about myself, no matter how beautiful and wonderful it is. I'm so happy and grateful now that I'm an ambassador of God's abundance to every single person I meet today. I'm so happy and grateful now that God meets my physical, financial, emotional, and spiritual needs each and every day. And I'm able then to share that abundance with others. I'm so happy and grateful that I expand daily in love and inspire others to do the same. Those are just a couple of the things. And you know, I found early on that I was super anxious about all the changes that were going on in my life. And so I wrote this affirmation. I'm so happy and grateful now that I willingly embrace change. It's not like I had a choice, right? I willingly embrace change and realign with it continually as as a means of living my life as an adventure. And one of my favorites, and this is about my healing journeys, I'm so happy and grateful now that I open my inner world to God and allow God to bring out the darkness out of my own soul into his light so that I might be healed by his grace. Again, all those things might be hokey, but I'm just going to tell you, when you have to fight the hamster wheel of fear, guilt, and shame, All the thoughts that you have going inside your head, you fight it by dumping in the kind of thoughts that you really want to be thinking. So use affirmations. You'll be glad you did. And if you need help on any of these things, reach out to me. I'm willing to have a conversation with you to get you started on your own healing journey if this would be of benefit to you. Okay. I can keep going on. This this is gonna be. There's gonna be other episodes coming up here. But let me show you, share a really powerful exercise. You're thinking, okay, I want to get started. I've talked about triage, and I could say a lot more. I've talked about some of the tactics for thriving and flourishing. But here's a really powerful one, because we've talked about the goals, right? So I want to grow into a person who's better, not bitter. I want to grow into a person whose heart. Is filled with ever deepening amounts of love for God and for neighbor. You know, I wanted to actually, in one of my goals, is I just want to pay all my bills back. It was so, I was so deeply in debt from all that went through, and my house was underwater, all these things. Is I wanted to pay all my bills. So I wanted to be able to thrive and flourish even financially. And I was already thinking, like, well, geez, in like 10 years, my kids are going to be in college and there's nothing to pay for it. So I wanted to learn even about that. And, and those things were all scary. Like, how am I going to do this? You know, how can I do this? So here's one of the most powerful things that I did. And I learned this exercise from uh, a coach, strategic coach, Dan Sullivan. And he has a great talk. It's called How 10Xing is Easier Than 1Xing. So you go for a big goal. But to do that, you commit to it. And then what you have to do is you have to decide on what to do with your past and here's the challenge if you want to thrive and flourish you have to come to grips with your past and learn to view it not as the definition of who you are you know god doesn't see any of us in light of the very worst moment in our lives God sees each one of us as persons deeply loved, as persons created in His image, and as persons with unlimited potential. So we need to learn, essentially, to see ourselves that way, which means you have to go back into your past. Because how do do you make a comeback when you feel like you got knocked off your feet? It's not easy. Sometimes you feel like, well, geez, I can't do it. Well, guess what? If you go back and harvest your past, you're going to discover that you can do it with God's help. And here's the exercise I learned from Dan Sullivan. Again, this, depending on your age, you may want to adjust this, but I was in my forties when I did this. And so it was, it was so he, Sullivan says, go back 25 years. And I would say if, if, if 25 years put you way back into your teen years or even younger, go back to an at least when you graduated from college or graduated from high school. And then what you want to do so when you're thinking about your past is the only part of your past that you really want to take forward are the powerful lessons and the achievements that gave you confidence in your past. Because the one thing that you need to begin to thrive and flourish is you need to build some momentum in your life again and you need to get some confidence. And this exercise will give that to you. And so here's what you do. Go, again, go back 25 years or its equivalent and write down achievements that you have and you say well geez Brian I don't have any achievements well guess what start with graduating from high school heck if you didn't graduate from high school uh, hey you got a trophy for playing soccer whatever achievements that you have write them down so I wrote down the various degrees that I earned I wrote down my jobs that I did I wrote down um, awards that I had won. I wrote down books that I had read. I mean, I just made lists of things that had gone well for me previously. You say, well, that's the easy part. Well, yeah, that's the easy part, but that's really powerful. That's going to encourage you. Look at what you've done already in your life. And remember back in those times before you did most of those things, they were scary. Remember even back when you were in high school you're like, geez, I'm never going to get through this. Well, guess what you did? Or you went to college, how am I going to take this class? Well, you made it. Or if you went to graduate school, I'm never going to get finished. It's too hard. Well, you got through. So remember that in the past you had challenges and you overcame them, and those are what your achievements are. But also, and you're thinking, well, geez, Brian, a lot of things didn't go well. Well, guess what? We don't care about the things that didn't go well in terms of events. You're not going to write the bad stuff down, but here's what you're going to do. Write down the lessons that you learned from the past. Write down lessons that you learned from the challenging experiences that you've already experienced. And so what you're going to have after that is you're going to have 25 years worth of achievements and lessons. And spend some time on this. This is one of the greatest gifts that you can give yourself, right? Because what that's going to do is it's going to say, wow, look at how God has worked in my life already. Look at the lessons that God even taught me through some of the more difficult experiences that I've already had. And then guess what one of the takeaways is going to be? You're going to get through the painful experience that's in your recent past, friends. And you're going to do that by exactly how you got through challenges in your pre- earlier by taking action with confidence that if you can just be consistent, draw the right community around yourself, and have courage. Because that's the last lesson. If you want to move into thriving and flourishing, you got to realize it's probably not going to feel good for a while, right? It's hard. There's going to be pain. You're going to have reminders. You're going to have setbacks. So you have to embrace courage. And, you know, we admire people that have courage because it's so so unusual, isn't it? Most people shrink. Most people in the face of challenges are broken or or, or basically just allow themselves to be pushed aside. But you're different. With God's help, you're going to exercise courage just like God said to Joshua, be strong and courageous. And when you embrace courage, Courage is not a lack of fear, it's not a lack of shame, it's not a lack of guilt, but what it is, it's being consistent and holding on and just waiting again for that blue sky to come. So you do that by first performing triage. Find those initial habits and practices that can sustain you, get you breathing again, get you back on your feet. Again, I mentioned gratitude, breathing, diet, exercise, sleep, having the right mindsets, uh, deciding that you're going to be better, not bitter, accepting that where you are at that moment. That, that's triage. And then you're going to begin to move into a, um, ha- new habits that are going to let you thrive and flourish by uh, setting goals for where you really want to be. Building up affirmations to push back against the negativity and the doubt and the worry and the fear and the guilt and the shame that you're gonna you're gonna face. And then do that exercise. Harvest the good from your past. Decide what your past means so that it, it becomes the means to a more profound, powerful, beautiful future of thriving and flourishing. You're gonna be glad you did. Again, there's some advanced practices that we could have mentioned: uh, journaling, um, centering prayer, meditation, uh, the Jesus prayer. Again, I encourage you during the, the season when you're really having some difficulty, avail yourself to an excellent therapist. I still see a therapist um, 12 years down the road, and I found a great therapist. I've used several different ones over the years, and I found each one has helped me in different ways to continue to open up my heart. Again, coaching is a fantastic thing. Now, if I can be of any service to you, I invite you to go again, check out my website, brianrussellphd.com. I run a coaching program. It's not for everyone. I have a program for pastors and spiritual leaders, a group program called Deep Dive Spirituality. You can check that out. I also take a limited number of one-on-one clients. Again, I've been down in the mud. So if you need someone not to just journey with you through the mud, but help you to see that new future that God has for you, it'd be a real privilege to serve you. Again, um There's other people that can do the same thing, but if some of the things that resonated with you you from this episode speak meaningfully to you, um, hey, reach out. Again, I'm always happy to have an initial conversation to see if I can be of service, uh, so please let me know. Uh, But the most important thing is just know this. You're going to get through whatever you're facing with God's help. Believe the truth about yourself, no matter how wonderful it is. Remember that today is the first day of the rest of your new life. So trust, you know, surrender, and walk the path that's in front of you. You're going to be glad you did. The people that love you are going to be glad you did. And you're going to be able to serve as a witness to what God can do, even in the midst of tragedy, for many years down the road. Till next time, live by faith be known by love, and be a voice of hope to others.